Welcome. You're listening to an Ignite Harvest Ministries podcast with Evangelist Jordash Govinda. We pray that this word will inspire, impart, and ignite a passion in you for God and the advancement of His kingdom. Amen. I'm going to share on boldness, on being bold for God, on supernatural boldness. And I'm going to start by reading in Acts chapter number 4, verse 13. But we know that something happened to the disciples in the day of the early church. We know that they were with Jesus. They were walking with Jesus. They were spending time with Him. But then at the cross when He was, when he was killed, when He was crucified, all of them scattered. All of them disappeared. And they were just missing. Even Peter denied knowing Jesus when they approached Him. Everything seemed chaotic. They seemed confused. They were afraid. And the very truth, the very reality, the very prophet, the very Son of God that they looked towards was gone. And they were filled with fear. But then we know that they started the early church. We know that something happened. We know that Christ was raised from the dead. And we know that the Holy Spirit was poured out amongst those disciples. And those same disciples that were scattered, those same disciples that were thrown apart, those same disciples that were denying Jesus, suddenly were preaching the gospel with boldness. Suddenly they were experiencing a move of the Spirit. They were experiencing signs and wonders. They weren't timid anymore. There was a certainty about their message. There was an urgency about their message. And suddenly from fearful cowardly disciples they were bold and fearless and they proclaimed the gospel fearlessly in the face of persecution they ministered in a culture much like ours today there were many religions there was much persecution more so than we see today there were many schools of thoughts from philosophy to Gnosticism to all those things everything that we see in our culture today was still much like it was for the early disciples. It was just like that for them. The same struggles that you and I might face in sharing the gospel in the midst of this culture that we find ourselves in was exactly the same culture that the disciples were in as well. The Bible speaks about how there's nothing new under the sun. Everything has always been the same. Amen. But it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, How many of you are sitting here in this place feeling like you're uneducated? Maybe you don't have a degree. Maybe you decided to do Bible college instead of going to university. Or maybe you're just bad at academics. These disciples were uneducated people, but they were used powerfully by God. They were also common men. How many of you here, if not all, might feel like common men unless you're cut from a royal bloodline? But these common men realized that they were connected to something higher than earthly nobility. They were connected to the nobility that comes from heaven. They knew their identity. They knew who they were in Christ. They knew they were rulers and kings on earth from another kingdom. And it filled them with boldness. But before I get ahead of myself, when the people saw that they were uneducated, common men, they were astonished. Another translation says they marveled. These uneducated common men were, letting, were making people, rulers, kings, and nobility of the time, marvel at what they were doing, marveling at the boldness that they experienced. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. When these disciples spoke, I just imagine the picture of when Jesus was on earth, normally many of us think when we watch movies or things like that there, that he was this quiet, peaceful guy walking around saying the kingdom of God is near but when they saw the boldness of Peter and John they realized that they had been with Jesus which means Jesus was a bold preacher he wasn't just standing around peaceful and tranquil all the time but he was boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God is here the kingdom of God is near he was declaring that if you are thirsty 
come to me and I will give you living water. He was a bold preacher. So they were preaching just like Jesus. They were preaching boldly with authority and power that the people recognized that they had been with Jesus. When they looked into their eyes, they saw Jesus. When they heard the words of their mouth, they, they heard Jesus. When they felt their presence and the, the anointing around them, they felt the presence of Jesus. They recognized that these men had been with Jesus. When we go out and preach the gospel to our friends, to our family, to our oikos, whoever we might be sharing with, when we're intimate with Jesus, we'll experience a level of boldness and they shall see who we represent. And that's the first key to having a supernatural boldness in our lives. It's intimacy with Jesus, intimacy with God. Because when you're on your knees in that room praying and seeking God, there's an intimacy, there's an intertwining, there's a oneness that takes place and suddenly you become one with the one. Just like Jesus prayed that you might become one as I and the Father are one. You become one with God and His attributes become your attributes. You receive an identity and you receive a boldness that's coming from heaven. Today for many of us and many people around the world, there's not much difference between the church and the world. When they look at a Christian or when they look at an unsafe person, they don't even recognize any difference. But when you're boldly proclaiming the gospel, suddenly there's a, there's a distinction. When you're intimate with God and you're saturated with His presence, suddenly there's a distinction between you and the world. If you look just like the world, you won't be able to influence it. Water mixed with water will only give you more water. But when water touches fire, suddenly it evaporates. When you enter into the water of the world with the fire of God upon your life, suddenly things begin to evaporate. Suddenly sickness begins to go. Suddenly fear begins to go. Suddenly anxiety begins to go. You experience a deliverance amongst the people around you. When you see a crippled person and you pray for them and you lay hands on them, you see them healed. You see miracles, signs and wonders because you are of a substance that is not of this earth. You are of a different substance, a substance from heaven. Amen. So we know Peter, the one who denied Jesus, became bold. He began to preach. He even got to write a book in the New Testament. The disciples who were scattered in the face of death, in the face of persecution, began to preach. Thomas, who was even doubting a resurrected Christ, when, when Jesus rose from the dead and he went to the disciples, Thomas still didn't believe. People even coined the phrase that, don't be a doubting Thomas, rest in his promise. So Thomas was a real doubter. But what happened to Thomas? After he experienced the, resur the resurrection power of God, even though it took a little bit more convincing for him, he eventually was used as a missionary in India, and that's where he died as a martyr that many scholars tell us. So you might be even sitting here, you might have a little bit of doubt, but just like Thomas, God can still take the doubtful person and turn them into someone so bold that they are willing to go into a nation where the gospel was never preached. He was the first person to go into that place and preach the gospel. The first Christian, the first disciple to set foot in India was Thomas. And he was so bold from someone who was doubting Jesus to someone who was willing to die the worst death possible, go to the worst place possible to preach the gospel. I would imagine if you're doubting, you might start with some people who have heard the gospel already or something like that, but something happened to him. Something changed within him. He received a supernatural boldness. Amen? So why were these disciples bold? There's many reasons as we know. Christ had changed their lives and they were excited about it. They went regularly to the temple, joyfully with a purpose. They went to jail even for preaching the gospel. It cost them something. 
if you had to ask the person next to you or ask the person next to you, what does it cost you? You don't have to answer. But what does it cost us? What is your Christianity? What is your belief in God costing us? Is it costing you any persecution? Is it costing you any rejection? Is it costing you any pain? For some of us, the only thing it costs us is our sleep on a Sunday morning. But we need to move into a greater realm of paying the price for this truth. If it's really something that we see has made an impact in our lives. I mean, I was thinking this week I was at, at a training program. They have all these psychologists sharing different things and how to be confident and how to engage with people. And they have this whole structure of interacting and so forth. And I begin to wonder like, what is, how, how do I share the gospel with people like this who seem to have everything figured out? They're just going to reject me or they have, they're so set in the way they think they've got their own intellectualism and so forth. But then I began to remember that I experienced a touch from God at a young age as a, as a 13 year old boy. I, rece I received an encounter with God. I experienced His power. How can I not share it? Even if they reject me, how can I not share it? How can I not share this very gospel that has changed my life? How can I not share what God has done for me? How can I withhold something that I have received from another realm? How can I keep it to myself? Your miracle or somebody else's miracle actually, somebody else's miracle, somebody else's salvation is locked up inside of you. You choosing to go to minister to that person is releasing what God has for that person. You can limit what someone else requires to experience from God or if anything at best, delay the timing that it happens. Today our faith costs us so little and I mean we're privileged to be able to be in a country where it's legal to be a Christian but how many of you can imagine living in a country where it's illegal to be a Christian, where it's illegal to carry your Bible, where people bring Bibles into a town and the Christians split it page by page. And then after a month of memorizing that page, they share it with another Christian because that book is illegal because the devil knows how dangerous it can be. We have the freedom of having five or six Bibles in our day and age. But how many of us have picked up those dusty books and began to read those pages to change the world around us and change our life inside of us? So these disciples who were bold weren't superhuman. If we read on and we go to Acts 4, chapter 29 these Christians knew that they weren't superhuman they didn't receive a touch from God and stayed in a glowing state where they were constantly bold where every day they woke up and they just wanted to preach although that can happen for seasons but these disciples also experienced a dip in their Christianity and that can happen with us as well you might at one stage be sharing God so boldly you can approach 10 people at once and then the next time you go out you struggle just to go to one person and that's what happened to them. They had just experienced a move of God. They went to a town. They were told that they, they, they must not preach Christ anymore. And then they were bold. And in the face of death said, we won't stop preaching Christ. But now here, they go and share with the Christians and say, you know what? They're now coming to kill us. So much so that now they're praying to God, asking for boldness once again. They recognize that boldness must be something that we continually pursue. That being on fire for God is something that we must continually maintain. And then they pray. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. They were saying, God, these people are threatening to put us into prison. They're threatening to, to kill us. Now give us boldness 
to speak your word to them. Give us boldness. Give us your will. Grant us your power to preach boldly once again. You might be facing something similar. You might be afraid to share because you got turned down once or you prayed for someone and they didn't, they didn't get healed. And you can pray to God and say, look upon the situation. Look upon my family, how rejected they are or how avoidant they are to Christ and give me boldness to share with them. Look upon my friend who's so stuck in their bondage and give me boldness to minister to them. Look upon my boss at work and how stuck they are in a work life as a workaholic and give me boldness to share with them. You can pray to God to receive boldness to respond to whatever situation you find yourself in. If we go on, it says, while you, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant. They recognize two things. One, that their boldness came from God and two, that the power, the miracles, the signs and the wonders came from Him as well. They knew that it was a cooperation that needed to take place. They say, while you stretch out your hands, I would imagine after Peter had seen people healed, he would have said, I can stretch out my hand. But he's saying, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed in your name, he puts the owners back on God. When we go out to reach the lost, we ask God for him, for his power to be manifest. The power doesn't come from us. The power comes from him. And then when we receive that authority, we can then pray and command it to be healed or be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. They recognize where the power came from. In verse 33, it continues to say, And with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. When you begin to share your testimony boldly, grace begins to be imparted to you. When you take a stand for Christ and your minister, you start to experience a grace, a spilling out into every area of your life. When you find yourself preaching the gospel, suddenly God begins to grace you even in the realm of business or work you start to see finances coming in. Why? Because he knows this is a worker. The worker gets waged for his work. If you're working for God by preaching his gospel, he releases that grace of financings to come through because he knows you're someone who's funding his kingdom, who's using whatever money they have for his kingdom because that's your number one priority. A grace gets released even in your family. While you might be someone who's struggling with maybe anger or something like that, when you begin to preach the gospel, a grace gets released to you. Suddenly you find yourself changing because you're preaching the gospel while God was ministering to that person. He was ministering through you. When power goes through something, it affects the conductor that it goes through. When power goes through a circuit and there's light bulbs on that circuit, even though the power is running through the light bulb, it's still running through those wires and going to the next one and the next one. So as you release the light, you then become a greater light yourself. The power of God flowing through you is there to change you and the other person. Amen. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 to 20, even though they had to speak and then God had to work, there's also another realm that we can enter, to, enter into. It says, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say. For what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. Is there another verse? For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. When you go out and begin to reach out to the lost and begin to minister for God, 
He begins to speak through you. You don't even have to worry about what words you might have to say. Just like speaking in tongues, it's when you pray, it just flows out of your innermost being. When you begin to reach out, it begins to flow out of your innermost being. I remember when I first started reaching out at the church and when we would go out to the mall and so forth, they used to give us a script back in the day. And we had to learn that script and use that script to reach out. But the more I begin to do it, the more suddenly I got off the script. I didn't even know really about the gifts of the Spirit or prophecy or anything like that. But while I was speaking to people, because I wanted them to have an encounter with God, suddenly words would begin to come out of my mouth and I didn't even know where it was coming from. I would then begin to pray for them. I thought I was praying a general prayer, but then I ended up praying against cancer in the, uh, cancer to go from their mom or something like that there. Because God begins to flow through you. When you speak for Him, He'll speak through you. So many times we as Christians have a sight of victory. We see what we want to achieve. We see the power. We see the miracles. We see our destiny being fulfilled, that business being established or whatever you're called to do. Then we go into the right to it. We understand according to the word that we have a right to so-and-so, a right to an identity, a right to be healed and so forth. We might even enter into the might of that victory where we experience His power coming into our lives we come into a church service and we leave feeling charged up and then we come into the next service and we feel charged up again but we must enter into the fight of victory where now we move from a realm of knowing we move from a realm of seeing we move from a realm of feeling but we move into a realm of doing where now we take that same power that we experience that same presence that we experience and we begin to manifest it wherever we go we begin to fight to become a proof producing people I saw a quote and it said, if you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If suddenly the laws changed in this nation and they said all Christians must be put in jail and they went to do research on you, would they find enough evidence to put you into prison? Or would you be one of the people who are left outside and they didn't even know that you were saved? It's hectic, eh? (laughs) Amen. But when you begin to fight, to move, to become a proof producing people, seeing the signs that God said would follow those that believe, then you begin to walk in the anointing. The yoke destroying, burden breaking anointing of God comes upon your life and you'll see change begin to happen. In Ephesians 6.19, Paul is now speaking and writing a letter to the church of Ephesus. And I mean, Paul was someone who we say was the second greatest Christian next to Jesus. But even he says, And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. If Paul the Apostle had to pray for boldness, how much more do we need to pray for boldness? Every single Christian needs to come to a place of recognizing that boldness is a continuous experience that you must maintain, that you must seek God for. I won't read the scripture, but in Mark 11, it speaks about how if you have faith in God, whatever you pray will come to pass. Whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. That's the prayer of faith. When we pray for boldness, we believe that we receive it and God will impart that to us. A lot of people go into a rut saying that there's a difference in, with them reaching out because you know what, their personality isn't really there for reaching out. They can't do it. But personality, when coupled with the anointing, begins to change where you might find yourself as an introvert and I know you might not want to speak to people you might not feel comfortable speaking to people 
when the anointing of God comes upon you, that introversion, that weakness gets transformed into strength. That introversion will change to extroversion. And I mean, it's fair to say that after you leave that place and after the presence lifts off you, you'll feel introverted again. But when you're wanting to reach out, God's power can come upon you. So personality doesn't even become an excuse anymore. You can't say you're not someone who has that type of personality. All you've got to say is, yes, I'm someone who has an introverted personality. But when the power of God comes upon me, you will even be surprised at the words coming out of my mouth. You wouldn't even know what hits you. Amen. So when you go into the realm of boldness, a supernatural boldness, and the anointing comes upon you, you go from personality to flowing in the Spirit. So we must pray for boldness and take an act of faith. So what if you, according to Mark 11, believing that what you prayed, God will give you? What if you believe that this year would be the year that you moved in boldness in a realm that you never moved in before? That this year would be a, a year where you don't settle for the same old, same old, but you move into a new realm of boldness, proclaiming the gospel like you've never done before. If we as a youth can believe that, then we can begin to see God use us. We can begin to see it spill over into every area of our life. It might not just be reaching out in the mall, but it'll spill over to school. It'll spill over to the workplace. It'll spill over to your family. Wherever you go, it'll spill over. That boldness that comes upon you will spill over and make an impact upon your life. The anointing is the only thing that makes a difference. You can share with someone, but without that element, you won't see results. Without that element, you won't see power. Without that element, you won't see His presence being manifest. We must become a people who go onto our knees, who seek the face of God, desiring Him to move in our lives, desiring boldness to come upon us, desiring to be used by God. But we have the anointing. We have the power. We have a reason to reach out. We carry the solution for the problems of the world. And even though people might feel or look like they have everything together, they are broken, they are hurting, and they need someone with the presence of God. They need someone who chose to fast that McDonald's meal because seeking the face of God was more important. They need someone who said no to going out with friends that night and chose to seek the face of God instead because in order to reach them, they needed a greater level of the anointing. We have a reason to do this and we can do it. Amen. And the last scripture in Hebrews chapter 11. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets. And what Paul is speaking about here is he's talking about the heroes of faith. And he's speaking about how God used every single one of them. And it carries on and says, Who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth, mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. If you notice that those few words, strong out of weakness, their weakness became strength. How many of you here have weaknesses? How many of you have a lot of weaknesses? The more weaknesses you have, the more strength can be produced. It's like an exchange. You put in this money of weakness and then it multiplies, it amplifies like compound interest and then you get strength out of that. When God comes into the picture, He takes your weaknesses and He turns them into strength. 
So when you desire to seek the face of God and reach out to your world, all of your weaknesses become a vessel, become a carrier, become a carrier of the power of God. So the more weaknesses you have, don't despise it. Take it to God as an empty vessel and say, God, this is all I have. I've got all these weaknesses and God will respond like a rushing wind with fire, coming in with strength, coming in with the power and the power will fill you and you shall become like another man. Amen. Just like Gideon who was cowering, afraid to go to war, an angel came to him and said, Hey, mighty man of valor, God is looking at you who might be cowering from your situation and saying, Hey, you mighty man, you mighty woman of valor, get up, chin up, and go to war. Go out into your world. Go out and tackle those demons. Go out and tackle those insecurities that you might have. He's saying, just like Barak, which is another guy mentioned there, he was a leader of a troop as well. And he was also cowering in fear that Deborah, the prophet, had to come, prophetess, had to come to him and say, hasn't the Lord called you to go out? And he was like, yes, the Lord has called me to go out. And, but then he said, she was like, why aren't you going out? He was like, okay, I'll go out, but only if you come with me. And in those days, in most cases, there were more men trained for war than a woman. But here's a leader of a troop saying that I won't go unless the prophet comes with me. We can say the same, that we won't go unless God, you come with us. Unless the presence of God comes with us, we won't go. And then he went out to war because she became an element of the presence of God in his life. You might feel like one of those people cowarding, but God can use you when you run to him. And then there were many people that were used by God, which I won't go into, but the point is that every single one of them were ordinary people. Every single one of them were people just like you and I. And if God can use them, then surely he can use us. Amen. Amen. Let's just give a God a praise offering. Amen. If you desire to see the nations of the earth transformed by the power of the life-changing gospel, become a partner with this ministry. For more information, go to our website, ignite.